welcome to the Joy for Ministry podcast. I am so glad you are here today. I have a special guest, my sister-in-law, Angela. We sit down for an amazing conversation that you do not want to miss. Angela has over 20 years experience as a woman in ministry. She is a pastor. She is a mother. She serves right alongside her husband and her together. Check this out. So I have been reaching out to you to be on the podcast because I think you offer a unique perspective in ministry from church planting to working right alongside your husband, which mad props to you. I feel like that's something (laughs) I would struggle with. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's not for everybody. And yeah, it's a, it's an interesting thing. Yeah. Well, thankfully we started that at the beginning of our marriage, so we haven't known any different. So So true. Well, tell us a little about yourself. So I'm Angela Pettibone and uh, I grew up in, um, in Illinois and I was, I was called into ministry, um, my senior year in high school. And so I started, uh, central Bible college, the little school that was, um, in 96 and uh, that's a long time ago um and uh i i think it it's different a little bit from sometimes i hear pastors wives especially say oh i was called to be a pastor's wife and i really wasn't ever called to be a pastor's wife um i was only ever called to be a pastor so my has been shaped around the fact that I am called to be a pastor. And so when I was, I don't know, when the Lord was leading me to get married, <laughs> like it, it was, I knew it was going to have to be somebody who didn't mind, well, women in ministry for one, <laughs> and didn't mind um, having a partnership in ministry. And so when I met Todd, God called me to be his helpmate. That's the words he used when he called me to marry Todd. And so we have been that for the last 20 plus years in ministry. We have helped each other and been partners together. And we've been everything that you can think of in ministry, children's pastors, youth pastors, associate pastors, music pastors, (laughs) like Mm. we've had all the pastor titles. Um, And now we're co-lead pastors at a church plant in Lander, Wyoming. Great. I can't wait wait to get into the church plant, but I, I think what you said is so cool. You were called to be a pastor and you knew you had to find that right person that fit with you because not everybody would be that right fit. Right. Yeah. And it was, um, it was kind of interesting because I was called to preach and Todd was not. And everybody always made fun of him in Bible college because they're like, oh, you have to preach. You have to be a pastor. And he was like, yeah, but I'm not called to do that. I'm just called to be a music pastor. So I think it'll be okay. And then, you know, God knew that we needed to be together because our experiences and our callings and our giftings just kind of mesh together, especially now that we're co-lead pastors, we just do everything like we split everything. Yeah. I love that. And I've heard you preach and you are a preacher and (laughs) I, I, it was maybe, it was many years ago, you guys were out here and you both were doing something at, um, our mother-in-law and father-in-law's church. 
And I remember saying yeah. to Jason, like, they are just like good. Like the way you guys <laughs> interact with each other and the way you're passionate about what you do and you fit so well. Um, and I've always admired that because Jason and I took a long time to fit into ministry well. Like we didn't come out of the gate working together well. We sure. had to learn that. And I think there is a little bit of a learning curve, no matter what you're doing as far as ministry is concerned. And if you're married to a ministry partner, it makes it that much more difficult and that much more interesting. Thankfully, we were kind of pushed into sharing an office and sharing a space and sharing a church, you know, like being both on staff at a church. And so it just kind of forced us into how are we going to make this work? What boundaries are we going to set up? Like, yeah. I can re remember like our first couple of dates after we were married, we were like, okay, we got to talk about something else because <laughs> yes. our whole lives were together and we didn't know what to talk about. And we didn't have anything apart from church to have any conversations. About. Right. That makes a lot of sense. It was, I mean, we had to be, we're not really great at it even to this day especially when kids come along, you know, you, that's all you talk about is your kids. Um, but it's, it was, we had to be pretty intentional about it to say, okay, this right. is compartmentalization 101. <laughs> we got yeah. to do this together. And I imagine, I know we're going a little off script here, but I imagine you would have to fight some stereotypes. Number one being um, a woman in ministry, a pastor called to preach and right. your husband is the worship pastor. Like, did you, what was that like? Did you have to break down some barriers or fight some of those stereotypes? A, a few. I remember this is a terrible story, but when we were actually still dating in college, um, he was on a traveling team and I was on a traveling team and we were not together. We were hours and hours apart. And I told one of the people that we were staying with that I was going to marry a music pastor. I think we were engaged. And uh, I said, I'm going to marry a music pastor. And they were like, well, do you play the piano? And I was like, no. <laughs> and they were like, well, do you sing alto? And I was like, no. And all of these questions, she was like grilling me. And then she just looked at me and she goes, well, what good are you to him? <laughs> I was like, I don't know. And oh I was just, gosh. I was young. Right. And so I was like, oh, I don't know. What good at? I can run sound. I can preach. You know, <laughs> like there's other things that I'm good at. Um, so yeah, there were a few of those things that were just kind of, okay, no, not typical. No, maybe not <laughs> the right. way that you're used to seeing it, but we still do work together. We still do go together and we can still do ministry together. <laughs> so, I, oh I love that because that's what makes you powerful. You're walking out in your gifts and you're breaking down, not the typical thing. And I think that's what has yeah. always made you guys special and stand out. There you go. And, and now like being the only two because we don't have any other staff with us at this church plant. Um, it works out really well because we've run the gamut of all of the different parts of a staff. And then we've, you know, kind of gotten into a rhythm of what our giftings are. And so then we can work in that and it, you know, just kind of works out a little bit better. He's much more of a shepherd. He's got that shepherding heart. Um, so he's, 
he's much more of a people person than I am. I'm more of a task oriented person. And so, you know, it just kind of works out that I get things done and people like him. So it's good. (laughs) It works out really well. That's awesome. So you have been in ministry 20 years, really at least married in ministry 20 years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did you feel, did you feel prepared to step into that role the way you did? I guess I would say yes to that. Um, because I went to Bible college, more importantly, we had both been on traveling teams that were specific to ministry. And so we would like, for me, I would travel nine weeks out of the summer with six other people in a van doing camps for nine weeks. And so it was like, forced, um, forced knowledge. Like you, you better get your act together quick because you don't have a choice. And there were no adults with us. I mean, obviously we were all adult type people. We were 19 and 20, um, but there were no adults with us. And I was the president of the team for several of the years. And so it was just, okay, figure yourself out and learn to be a leader and learn how to, you know, work in church ministry and church life and figure out all of those personal dynamics. And so when I went into ministry, I did feel, okay, I can do this. I kind of know what I'm doing. I've, you know, had experience doing this before. And so I was always really grateful for that um, traveling experience because I feel like I went into it probably a little bit more prepared than some people are um, just because, you know, I had done it for a little while. So what and was I got of, to mess up as a college kid where nobody cares. So. Yeah, that's true. That's good to be able to mess up and see it and <laughs> have it not matter all that much is when not gift. wreck people's lives. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not wreck people's lives. Like, you, you know, telling them what do you have to offer your husband? You know, <laughs> you <laughs> could have been like, I'm them. out. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. So what were some of the early struggles that you faced and how did it affect your life, your ministry, your marriage? Right. I guess this is like a big question Um, because uh, a little personal, but when we were in our second ministry position, um, we were working with a pastor that I had known for a really long time. And we were both um, just really grateful to be on staff there, really excited, felt like we kind of had come into our own, like this was the dream job, right? Yeah. Like the one that we had, if we had a dream going into marriage, this was it. Like we were, oh yes, finally, here it is. And finally, it was only like four years after we were married, but you know, it was, oh wow, this is really great. And um, the pastor, and I don't use this word lightly, he betrayed us really hardcore. Mm. And because this is going online, I'm not going to get into too much of it because that was, yeah, yeah, so that was a thing. And, but betrayed to the point where we had to leave that position both of us were on staff there and we had to leave that position with no place to go wow and no job no money no nothing and we had a 
a small child at that point. <laughs> and we just felt uh, that we were not prepared for. We right. were not prepared for that level of betrayal from somebody we considered a mentor, a father figure, all of that sort of thing. And so when we got out of that, it was kind of like falling <laughs> and not really knowing where that bottom was going to hit. And that was, a, that was an eye-opening experience for us. More than the ministry side of it, because things happen, you change churches, that's a thing that happens. Um, it affected us personally in ways that I was not anticipating that a job could affect your life. Does that make wow. sense? Um, because ministry is not just <laughs> a regular job, it, uh, it sort of took a toll. And we were this is going to get personal. So here we go. Um, we were struggling with infertility. I was mm. not able to have more children and felt like I should. Yeah. Had that longing in my heart. And because we lost the job, we lost insurance. And now everything that I had been de dealing with was pre-existing. And that was a thing back then, right? Like you, right. you could not be covered by that, that anymore. And so I finally found another job, finally got into another church position and everything that we were doing to have more kids, <laughs> all, all of the treatments, all the thing that goes into infertility was now out of pocket. <laughs> Oh and we didn't have any money. Um, and so that sent, because it was kind of early on and everything, because we'd only been married for, I think it was five or six years by that point. Um, it sort of sent me into a little bit of a spiral, I guess, um, not to sound too dramatic, but I got really bitter. Yeah. <laughs> and I was, not bitter towards ministry, not bitter towards God, not that kind of bitter. I was just bitter yeah. <laughs> because this man that I had trusted um, made it so I couldn't have any more kids. And that sounds weird, <laughs> but that was what was in my head. Like, right. You've ruined my life. <laughs> and yeah. so um, a little teary even now. Um, Me too. Just sent down a path that I was like, oh man, I don't know if I can get out of this. I don't know if I'm going to be able to, to find the other side of this. And so through different circumstances and everything that happened, I found myself praying. I should have brought tissue. Uh, I found myself praying one night and I really wasn't very holy in my prayer. Um, I was mad. <laughs> I was yeah. just, pastors get mad. Who knew, right? Um, <laughs> I was angry. I was bitter. I was resentful that this was happening. And I remember praying and I just thought, God, I don't know 
what this is happening for? Like, why did this happen to us? And why did you do this to us? And how could you do this to us? How could you do this to me? <laughs> you know, because when you're facing your infertility as a girl, you feel broken and you feel inept and something that you should be able to do and something that I had done before. <laughs> yeah. um, and I couldn't do it. And I was mad, you know, and so I was praying and God said, listen, <laughs> you're facing a little bit of daddy issues right now. This father mm -hmm. figure betrayed you and you're putting that on me, wow. but I'm not that father. I'm not That's going to do that to you. I'm not going to be against you. I'm for you. And if you'll let me, I'll heal these places and you'll have more life afterwards. And I just wow. thought, well, that is a very good answer. <laughs> That's an amazing answer. And it was sort of the deep revelation, you know, like, I don't know how that, how long that would have taken me on a counselor's couch, but it was that deep revelation from God that said, you know, yeah, this did not turn out the way you planned, but I can still take care of you. So I want to dig into this because now <laughs> to anybody listening, I have not heard this story. It's not like I've asked you on to tell this story. This is completely, um, spontaneous. You had heard this story. Okay. There you go. <laughs> no, I have not heard this story. I mean, I, I guess I knew there was some issues and you had left, but I didn't know to this extent. I didn't know that the Lord spoke this to you. I didn't know. Um, yeah. so I want to touch on that, but I also want you to talk about your kids just to like come yeah. full circle. Yeah, totally. Well, and it did very much come full circle because, <clears throat> um, after we left that particular ministry position, we came to what I would have considered the middle of nowhere, uh, Casper, Wyoming, <laughs> which was about as far removed as anything that I had ever experienced. And one day the Lord said, okay, now it's time for you to start fostering, um, and be a foster parent. And I thought, well, no, because you have to give those kids back. And I don't want to do that. <laughs> and uh, he said, nope, this is what I want you to do. And, and so we became foster parents. And it was the best and worst thing that we've ever done. Like ministry is hard when you're a staff pastor and when you're in a position, but when you're ministering to orphans, when you're ministering to babies, when you're ministering to moms who are devastated and have made awful choices, it takes your ministry yeah. <laughs> up a notch. And not just as a pastor, you're in the trenches with them. And that was, uh, that was really eye-opening. Things that I had considered Oh, this is what church is like. This is what church people do. Like all of that was shoved out the window because now I was in real life and it was way different than the church bubble that I had wow. grown up in and knew of. And um, I remember we were, we had given back several children. You know, we'd had them in our homes for a while, mm -hmm. home for a while and then given them back and um, 
the grief is so real because you treat these kids like your own. They, you love them and you care for them. And, and, uh, I remember yelling at God again one day. (laughs) I don't know if everybody yells at God, but Angela does. Um, he doesn't seem to mind. And, uh, and I said, God, why do these drug addicts (laughs) get to have kids and I'm a pastor who has given my life to you. Why don't you let me have kids? Wow. And it just didn't seem fair. <laughs> it seemed like, Lord, I've, you know, I've committed my life to you. Why aren't you allowing me more kids? And he spoke to me in not such a gentle way, I'll be honest. <laughs> he said, Angela if I had given you your own kids, you wouldn't have paid attention to these kids. And I need somebody to pay attention to these kids because I love them so much. Again, I thought that was a great answer. (laughs) And so I stopped yelling and, uh, it was, it was not too long after that, that we gave back foster kid numbers six and seven. And, uh, I was in a terrible place again. Um, I wish that pastors didn't have terrible places. I wish Mm. that I could say our life is rosy, but it's just the same as anybody else. So, Um, and I remember it was, uh, this is way personal again. Sorry, Joy. Um, I love it. It was like Easter and you know how it is you're in the middle of production, you're in the middle of getting ready for services and all of the things are happening. And it had been close to, I think Brett was like eight or something like that. So it had almost been, you know, it'd been eight years. And all of a sudden I came home from church one night and I miscarried. (laughs) And I thought, are you kidding me? And I was devastated because I thought, oh, Lord, this isn't fair. <laughs> Why did you do this? Why is this happening? Um, we had talked about foster care and I thought that's how you were going to give us kids. And now I'm losing a kid. And why is all of this? And um, I just told Todd, I remember telling him, okay, I'm really done trying to <laughs> any more children. There will be no more children in our home. I'm done. I'm so hurt. I'm so sad. This is going to stop. And then, um, if you've ever been a part of the foster care system, you know that they're really good at pulling you back (laughs) when Mm. you say no. And, uh, they called me one night and said, um, there's an infant in the ER that you need to go get because he needs to have a home tonight. And it was really late at night and we went and got him. And I just remember holding him and crying and thinking, okay, God, (laughs) somehow you're going to have to give me the strength to do this because I don't have it. I don't, Mm. I'm done, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And then it wasn't, it was literally a month later that they called us and said, Hey, we have this sibling pair that it looks like they're going to be up for adoption. Would you like to take them? 
and that turned out to be Molly and Davis. And Aww. so we, we adopted them about a year and a half later um, when they were both two. <laughs> There's like two weeks when they're the same age. And wow. we, we adopted them when they were both two. And I remember the Lord just spoke to me really clear and said, I just needed you to be in this place, to be at this time, to wait for them to be born, <laughs> to be in this exact spot where you needed to be because I had them waiting. <laughs> I had oh. them for you. They're yours. I just had to get you here. And it just took a while to get here. And we always kind of joke that our, our life is like Joseph. <laughs> we kind of dropped our cloak and ran and wound up in prison for a while. But eventually, <laughs> wow. the dream that we had had, the dream of being parents again, came to fruition. It just went like this instead yeah. of like that. But in all of those things, it really made me forgive that man in such a real way. And really, I could say to him, yeah, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good wow. because this is where we're supposed to be. This is what we were supposed to do. But it just oh. took a decade <laughs> to get there. So. But with every, all the passing time and the ticking of the clock, it, it has become more and more of a powerful story. Like Absolutely. you need to tell this story because <laughs> it's so rich with, you know, people walk through a betrayal and a, and a church her. And again, that's not what this was about, but I can relate to you on this yeah. and people in droves walk away from ministry yeah. and, it, and you're right. It's not that they're mad at God or mad at ministry. They're mad at a person. Yep. And I've, and I've seen that through this ministry and you didn't let it stop you, you know, and you wrestled with God over some things. <laughs> yeah, totally. I, I just think it's like one of the best stories I've heard of redemption <laughs> and reconciliation yeah. and just God's faithfulness in, and this is to his glory and not mine, that he just, he had such a perfect plan, like just such a perfect plan and was gracious enough to not let me get in the way, to not stop what he had. And I could have, you know, like in myself, I was trying you know, all of the things to have another kid. And I thought of all of the ways that he could fix this, but yeah. his way was so much cooler than mine and so much bigger than mine. And if that man had not done that, we wouldn't have moved. We wouldn't have been in the place that we needed to be. We wouldn't have done all of the things that we did over the past years and all of the relationships that we had. And all of the cool ministry opportunities, the opportunities that we've had. And I think I would have fouled it up, you know, like if God would have said, Hey, and 10 years from now, this is where you're going to be. Like, I would never have, <laughs> I would have yeah. messed it up, but God was so gracious to just say, okay, here we go. Trust me in this. If you can trust yeah. me for a little bit more, a little bit more, that's we'll get there. Yeah. And I think what 
you're saying here on this podcast for other women to hear, you're saying I was bitter. Oh, I think that's so important for women to hear. Like, you know, you think, like you said, as a a pastor, you shouldn't have, you know, Mm -hmm. you shouldn't be yelling at God or you shouldn't have these problems or, you know, you can look at, but I think that you being honest and calling out and say, this is what I was walking through, you know, is the truth. And so many people walk through that and, you know, in ministry, you're, you're attacked and it's it's harder, um, then, you know, people walk away from church hurt, just bitter. So I love your story. I think it's so powerful and, and God is going to use it. And you know what? He really has already like the, the amount of women that deal with infertility is like one in four. And that is an amazingly high number to me. And I didn't even realize that before I was struggling myself. And so the, the number of women that I've been able to cry with and, and walk through the pain with, and, um, you know, just kind of sit with them and hold their hands after a miscarriage or something like that. And, and not from a, a removed place. I'm absolutely empathetic. I'm in, right. <laughs> I'm in the pit with you. I know what you're feeling and the number of women that have daddy issues and that have put that on God and projected all of their hurts from an earthly father onto our heavenly father. Um, it's, it's real. Like people, tons of people do it. And like you said, a lot of them are pastors wise or pastors. And they think I shouldn't be this way. I shouldn't do this. And, and that takes them even further down the spiral when, okay, everybody does. It's, it's a thing. What would you say to the woman or to anybody who's listening? Who's like, I know what it's like to feel this betrayal. And I know what it's like to feel like that betrayal has cost me things in my life or has gypped me from something or, you know, somebody took away my calling. I was called to do this. And they, what would you say to that woman who's feeling broken? Like somebody messed me up. Well, I would say just like we felt, you know, there's going to always be that person or that, that thing that you think this has screwed me up. Like, that's what I thought of that man. He has ruined my life. My life is now ruined because of him. And the truth is that God can make something beautiful out of anything. Mm -hmm. If you'll let him, and if you'll allow him, um, I always think it's so important to hold our, our plans sort of loosely in our hands. Don't give up on dreams or visions that God has given you, but hold them loosely because maybe how God intends to weave that together is not how you intended it to be woven together. And God has a perfect plan for us and a perfect vision for us so much more than our finite (laughs) understanding. And if you'll let him, he can really make something just really gorgeous out of whatever (laughs) shreds you think you have he can, he can weave that together and make that pretty again. That's so good. And I love that you say that. I think there's certain things that, you know, you can dive into more here. You know, you, you said this in the beginning, um, with church and with ministry, it's deeper than losing a job. 
it's something that you've invested every part of yourself in. You have Absolutely. given, you know, it's, you expect more from certain people and especially a betrayal like that. It not only affects you financially, um, oh, yeah. logistically, some people are in parsonages or some people right. like mm-hmm. you and Todd were on staff together. So right. That's, you know, zero money of that. <laughs> Like you dig deeper and it's insurance, which you were going through this time of, you know, so it had, it was a ripple effect. And I think that's something that you don't understand until you walk through it. It's not like losing a job. It's right. It's It's so not well. And even to the point where, um, people were really angry with us for leaving because we didn't gossip. We didn't tell anybody why this was happening. We closed our mouths and left. And so people were really angry with us. My family members were angry with us because how could you do something so foolish? How could you leave such a good job? How could you do this when you don't have another place to go? And we knew that it was absolutely the only thing we could do, but to everyone else, it was, well, how could you, how could you leave such a good position? How could you be so silly how could you be so (sighs) stupid (laughs) is what they would have said because it just seemed foolish and it's hard when you're in ministry to do what you know to do to do what God is calling you to do kind of regardless of what anyone else thinks and yes you get your yes you get advice and yes you listen to mentors and all of that kind of stuff and that's important but at the end of the day you have to say, okay, God, I'm putting my hands in your hands because this is what I know that I need to do. And it's a, I don't know. I think it's a, an interesting part of ministry is that you kind of, when I I think when you're first in ministry, you sort of see it as sprinting and you're like, oh, I got to go save the world. And then as you get into ministry, you're like, okay, this is definitely a marathon. (laughs) This is definitely a long haul kind of thing. And you do have to take that long lens and say, okay, not tomorrow, maybe not even next week. It's going to be okay. I'm going to make it, you know, I've got to just keep going and keep plugging along. And I would say for anybody who's like terribly bitter against someone, you really do have to let God heal your heart because nothing else will like, you can try to do it on your own. You can try to, to say the right things or do the right things or force yourself into it. And sometimes you do have to kind of fake it, um, fake it till you make it. But, um, (laughs) you do have to, you do have to let God heal your heart and you do have to find a more intimate relationship with him because, nothing surface is going to be able to take you through that trench. You have to rely on him and you have to just put your whole trust in him. And you have to get to a point in your relationship with God that says, okay, I have no plan B. I have nothing else. There is no safety net. It's you and me and we're doing this thing. And that's a, that's a tough place. If you're, you know, new in the ministry, if you're new to the Lord or, whatever, you know, it's, right. it's, it does take a little bit of time to establish right. that. I was talking to somebody last night and I said, I've learned, Jason, and I have learned through our experience that you have to chase healing and you have to be deliberate about healing. Cause if you're not, it doesn't just happen on its own. 
you no. know, you have to chase it and, and fight for it. And you'll have to chase it again and again and again and again. Like somebody was asking me, um, how could you forgive him? And I was like, well, forgiveness isn't a feeling. Mm. Forgiveness is a choice that I wake up every morning to. And sometimes it's minute by minute. Um, in the early years, it was second by second. Okay, I'm going to forgive him. Okay, I'm going to forgive him. Wow. I don't want to forgive him. I don't feel like forgiving him. You know, but over time, you know, it becomes an easier thing. It becomes more of a thing that you can do, but you do have to kind of force yourself into not being a victim and, and not letting it ruin. Um, but letting, letting forgiveness flood you because, right. you know, that's, that's where your healing is going to come from. That's when God is going to be able to forgive you and, and you're going to be able to forgive yourself. And, all of the things that need to happen, it's going to be a volitional choice that you make every yeah. minute. If you know imagine <laughs> if you, imagine if you let it stop you, what you would have missed out on. So yeah. And I think that, I think that even now, like with the foster kids and I was one kid away, like I was my next phone call away from getting the kids and I was ready to end, you know, the whole process because it was just hard and I didn't want to do it anymore. And I just think, oh my goodness, what if I would have really stopped it? You know, what if I wouldn't have let God what a lead testimony. me into that next part? It's like, I, yeah, oh, it's, it's just crazy. It's amazing. It's a powerful, <laughs> I, I, I love it. And I think you need to speak this as much as you can, because it's <laughs> such a great word. Um, and yeah. On the other side of that is Molly and Davis, which are just these yep. amazing kids that are part, you know, it's part of our family, yeah. my family. And, and I just love this story. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Who knew we would both have three kids? I mean, that's crazy. It, it literally is crazy. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> and it's noisy. <laughs> Very noisy. Oh, so man. if you that's could really go ridiculous. back and tell yourself three things when you started out in ministry or even along this journey, mm -hmm. what would they be? I think the one is just be patient um, because you just don't know what God is working out. And I'm not a very patient person. And I always try to force things into being. My personality is, I'm just going to take this bull by the horns and I'm going to make it happen. And um when you realize that it's okay not to be in that much control, I'm a little bit of control freak. And so when I allow myself to not be in control um, and let God be in control, that, that works out better for me. So I think mm -hmm. I would tell myself, you know what, just be patient, just see what God has for you. And um, another thing that I would tell them, and I think about this lyric from In Christ Alone, no power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand. And I tell myself that a lot, especially during this thing, because I thought, you know, this man has ruined things. And mm. there's never a place and there's never something that can separate you from God and his plan and his love for you. You can, you can get in the way, but <laughs> nobody mm. else can. Nobody nobody's going to derail something that God has put together. And even though so it might good. not be exactly how you thought it was going to be, um, you know, God is going to make that 
that beautiful thing happen. So true. Do you have one more? I think that's about it though. <laughs> I don't know anymore. Okay. I don't know what else. I, I think the other thing I would say was stop trying so hard. Yeah. Because <laughs> I do, I try too hard sometimes. Yeah, that's a very good one. That's a good word. And you can tell yourself it's okay to yell at God because he has said some really great things back to you when you've yelled at him. <laughs> yeah, and he doesn't really, I mean, some people are like, oh, God's, quiet, gentle voice. Like he never speaks to me that way. It's always like, I feel like I just got knocked over the head. Oh yeah. That was a good one. Oh, okay. Thanks for that. So <laughs> like, I want to meet the God that speaks in a small, gentle voice. because <laughs> He ain't the one that talks to me. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love the things that he spoke to you. They're so powerful. So, um, really good. quick, tell us now you are how many years into church planting? Sure. Um, sort of three-ish. Um, the first year we moved to Lander and which is much smaller than Casper, more in the middle of nowhere than you could have ever imagined. Um, but uh, it's, it's like a town of 7,000. <laughs> so it's like super small. Um, and uh, we moved here and we got a job. Both of us got um, just regular jobs and we kind of itinerated. We traveled around and raised money um, because it takes a lot of money to plan a church. And then we started in September of 18. And so okay. that, you know, it's been two, two and a half years since we started. Um, but it's been a, it's been an interesting journey. That's for sure. It's definitely, somebody described it as the extreme sport of ministry. I would agree with that. Interesting. <laughs> it's definitely different, <laughs> but. And what um, has that, been... go ahead. Sorry. Um, no, it's, I kind of, oddly enough, I sort of think of it like foster parenting because it's not my church. It's God's church. He started this. Mm. He wanted this church. He called us to do this. And, um, and so sometimes I tell him, goodness, God, your church doesn't have very many people. You should get it together. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it feels like something that you work really hard on and you, you love it as much as you can, as hard as you can, as long as you can. But at the end of the day, it's God that gives the increase yeah. of anything. So um, it takes a little pressure off when, we first, when you say that it, it, it really does. And, um, you know, when you kind of lean back and say, okay, God, I've seen you do some pretty cool stuff before. So I'm just going to wait and see mm. how you're going to do this. And that's been, it's been good to see how God has taken us from literally nothing. Like it was just Todd and I, and our kids that we, we moved here and we just started from scratch. Like there was nothing, there was no building, there was no people, there were there was nothing. They had had an Assemblies of God church here many years ago, but that was, they sold the building, the people were wow. scattered, there was nothing. And so now we have a, a building that we rent and we meet and sometimes even in person during COVID, which has been um, an interesting, Mm. exciting thing too. Um, and still very small, still not very many people, but, um, you know, God is doing good things through us and we're really, 
the, the church is called the Orchard Church. And we say people growing together, producing fruit. And um, wow. we, we've seen God produce a lot of fruit, even though we are numerically small, we've been able to make a pretty good impact on our community, which is our heart and our goal is much less about what's in the four walls and much more about what we're doing in the community. So I love that. That's amazing. I love that. So as we're winding down here, what has been something that has been rewarding for you about being in ministry? Um, I think there's not very many parts of ministry that aren't rewarding to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think going into it, having been called to be a pastor and being able to be a pastor uh, is just seeing your dream fulfilled every week. Like, it's just amazing wow. to me that somebody says, yes, you're allowed to preach God's word every week. Somebody says, that's okay for me to do. Ah, crazy. And seeing people, and I, I know the cliche is seeing lives changed, but I would say just seeing people on the journey um, right. with Christ has been such an amazing experience because it's really a sacred place that people allow you to be in like really who else gets to be at births and deaths and marriages and the big things in your life that you wouldn't trust to anybody except your pastor and you get to do that with people like that's a holy and a sacred thing that I just think wow I cannot believe I get to do that with people and I remember I was at I was literally in the hospital room when one of the little girls in my children's church died. And I remember her mom um, saying, look, and she's not with us anymore. She just went to be with Jesus. And I was with this mom as she was doing what has to be the hardest thing that you've ever done in your whole life. And I just thought, oh man, that God would give me the privilege to have strength to be with people during this time, during this wow. moment in this life and, and to see, you know, just the, the biggest things, the most important times, the, the most memorable times, the most sacred times, I get to be a part of that. Yeah, <laughs> and just because God called me to be a pastor, that's oh, amazing to me. Right. <laughs> Such right. a privilege. And, and you just see the joy on your face. I wish everybody could see this. You have such joy on your face and expressing that. And it's just adorable. It's like, it's, and it's, it's, um, fresh and encouraging and it's authentic. And, and I agree with you. I think ministry is a privilege. I, it's some, it's something I'm most passionate about and we can get stuck in the hard stuff yeah. and sometimes forget the amazing stuff. Yeah you can get stuck in the minutia of ministry in a hot minute. But um, I think one thing that has come of all of the stuff that we went through um, with that man betraying us is we can take a long scope and we can say, well, you know what? It's not as bad as that. (laughs) So our standard is pretty low (laughs) and still have joy because you know, it's not as bad as that day. And I've said that to some staff members before when they started griping about stuff. I'm like, eh, 
<laughs> could be worse. That's <laughs> so. so true. Hey, you know what? Sometimes you just need that perspective. <laughs> yeah. Just a little bit of a healthy perspective of where you could be. So you do so much in caring for other people. What are some ways you get fed? Yeah, that's a that's an interesting question because it's a difficult one. Um, I work full time as a para at an elementary school. Then I'm also co-lead pastor of a church. And then I'm a mom of three and a wife of one. That's good. Um, and uh, there's not a lot of personal time. There's not a lot of me time. And I used to feel pretty guilty about that. Like um, I would see people having their coffee on the veranda and studying their word or something. And I'd be like, I don't have time to tie my shoes and brush my teeth. How are they doing that? Right. You know, but um, God's been pretty gracious to me to, to say, okay, whatever time you do have, mm. <laughs> even if it's, you know, multitasking, I'm going to take advantage of that. And if you'll give it to me, then I will refresh you and give back to you. And so that's been a really liberating thing is not to have expectations of perfection in my devotional life, (laughs) not to have these preconceived ideas of um, how it should look, but just to enjoy whatever I do have from God and And if that's listening to the Bible as I'm doing my hair, then God's gracious about doing that. And and many of those conversations that I was telling you about where I'm yelling at God, I was also scrubbing the toilet or (laughs) cleaning the bathroom. You know, like these are not like, oh, I just took time and said, no, like I'm a mom, right? Like I'm just in the middle of it. So yes, I love that answer. (laughs) And I love the, just the honesty and the truth behind it, because that that's my whole point of doing this is that you know, I'm one voice, I have one story, but there's a mom listening who's not in my stage of life. She's in your stage of life. And what you're saying is very freeing to her. Like, okay, I don't have to have, you know, have it look like this. And yeah, I love that answer. That's, that's great. Well, thank you so much for just yeah, I hope hope it's helpful to somebody because I know that Sometimes just hearing God is good and he took me through it and he's the same God. So he'll get you there too. Right. So if you're listening, be encouraged. And I love your story. I love that it's, it's going to touch people's lives and it's so powerful. So thank you so much. Yeah. It was good to see you. Yeah. Good to see you. Thank you for listening today. I'm telling you, I was so blessed by today's conversation. I was moved to tears. The Lord really spoke to me. And I hope that you were just as encouraged as I was by Angela. Hey, if you need prayer, please go to our website, joyforministry.com. Please email me. I would love to speak with you, pray for you. You can email me at joyforministry at gmail.com. Also, don't forget... You can check out our website to order the devotional, He Is For Me. It is for women in ministry. Send it as a gift. Order it for yourself. Share it. Also, please, right now, as soon as this podcast ends, can you please like us, rate us, subscribe? That would be amazing. See you next week.